0: hello everybody and welcome back to the mma archive i'm here with my guy sean negron i'm excited to have him on uh from the High Skina podcast can you please just tell the people where they could find your content uh what kind of things you're working with and uh let's get right into this mma archive episode man
1: uh well hi guys i'm sean um i'm pretty sure i'm not related but <laughs> well, i guess we'll uh we'll find out in the future but um I'm mainly baseball podcast, but I love MMA. I could talk MMA forever. I used to do MMA writing back in the day, and uh, I you could find me at at Sean Negron 25. Make it easier for people. Uh, I I mainly follow the Yankees, but I do baseball all around. And but like I said, I I follow UFC like it's like my job. So I I follow every card, every fighter, and and I I'm very much into this.
0: Heck yeah, heck yeah, man! So um, I'm really excited to have you on. I, I gotta ask you first off, off the ri- off the rip. So you said that you're a big fan, obviously of baseball. Can you talk about your sports fandom in general? Like where it all started from for you? What what teams were you following, and then how you got so into MMA?
1: Um, for for teams wise, so sports teams wise, uh, I grew up in New York. You know, I I lived in Long Island, and I lived out in Harlem, and now I'm back in Long Island, and so. Uh, from there, I was always a New York guy, and uh, kind of I think it hit me at like two years old. I played every sport since two, and I, I'm I'm a I'm a Islander fan, Jeff fan, Nick fan, Yankee fan. So you know, I, ever since that, I've always been the same way. I never switch up. I'm always die hard for those four, but I watch every sport like 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 it's a job. Like I I watch them like it it means everything every sport i pay attention to every one i've always been that way because i I've, I've been doing some sports writing for quite some time and then for ufc i got into it um i can't remember which card it was but it was bigfoot silver versus alistair overeem and i was a big alistair overeem fan and i was start i was sort of watching back then but i wasn't like you know super tuned in but i remember i i went to like uh applebee's or something and it was like you know it happened to be on the tv and i was like oh yes House over is my favorite like i don't you know it just happened to be that he was on tv and i was like oh yes all right let's watch and and i'm watching bigfoot Silva put him in in you know on the on the cage and you just see how silver eventually drop and i just remember that was the first time my heart broke for a ufc fighter and that's right there when i went I love UFC because it hurts me so much that that means that I, I must love it in some, you know, some capacity. So that's what, that's what got my love into UFC. And ever since that, I've watched almost every card.
0: Dude, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. I feel like a lot of people's origin stories are like that. I feel like I haven't met many MMA fans that don't follow any other sport. Like I feel like sports is the gateway drug to combat sports. If you ask me, that's <laughs> the way I feel about it. Uh, Cause I, I grew up uh my first love was baseball uh being from the bronx yankees are huge uh and from there branched off football basketball i I got a a little bit of a weird origin story but i'm glad the way it turned out to be honest um i'm an okc fan as far as basketball uh adopted from supersonics a big fan of kd when he came in the league uh now it's fuck kd but it's a long story and um (laughs) as far as my um my bat, my uh, football fandom uh, the first game i ever watched uh, was jets versus ravens and i'm i'm so thankful to this day that the ravens won that game so <laughs> i've been a ravens fan <laughs> ever since uh you've been through a lot of pain but hey we we got a good season on the horizon uh for the jets this year if you ask me so uh not 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 too much pain to be uh ho- holding on to anymore It's been a dozen years since we had anything
1: good so it'd be nice
0: <laughs> yes sir and it feels like every year we're like this is the year so i, yeah, I hope I hope this year is really the year <laughs> for yeah, sure
1: especially for you guys the ravens fans like you know with, with lamar and uh i don't how many years does he have left i think he's got like two years left on his deal so you guys gotta i think he'll be a raven for life anyway but mm-hmm. you know hopefully you guys can make a super bowl run and uh you know, get past the Chiefs and the Bills.
0: Heck yeah! It's even it's even more scary this season. I feel like he's been talking about even holding out if they don't figure out the contract negotiations. And obviously, it's a weird situation because he's the one negotiating his contract with his mother. I mean, all respect, please. Uh, uh, if you ask me, that's the way to do it: cut out the middleman. But at the same time, I feel like that adding some some hit, some hookups over here, and I'm I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous, but I agree. Um, I, mean, I think. Yeah, man, I think that the team we got a solid and the fact that uh, we did so well last season, despite all the injuries we were dealing with, um, I think it leaves us in a good spot this season where a lot of people are looking at all the big offseason splashes. They're not really thinking about us um, and it's gonna leave a, a nice little lane for us to come in and do well. So, uh, but we came here to talk MMA, baby. That's right, that's and right. we've got a lot, of, a lot of fun stuff to cover mm-hmm. here. We're doing UFC 15. This is coming off, so I just wanna give some context. Uh, Last week's show, uh, we covered Pride 1, which was in real life a week away from the event that we were doing here. So uh, Pride 1 was on October 11th, and then UFC 15 uh, was on October 17th, 1997. Yeah, I was born. So crazy. Uh, It's awesome looking back at these fights and sort of realizing, A, the lore, getting to understand why these legends are legends, and B, just feeling like the momentum of these events and getting understanding because now as as mma fans uh, we're introduced to new fighters weekly and from there it's sort of like uh, well that this dude is someone to watch and it, it sort of feels the same way as i'm watching these events in chronological order where you're seeing the landscape of the sport you're seeing the landscape of the different divisions and you're like man um, I wonder if this guy could beat this guy or like, who's the, who's going to be the person that's going to beat Mark Kerr? Cause this dude is just wrecking fools. And, and right before Mark Kerr hit the scene, I felt that way about Mark Coleman. So it's just like so many, um, cool moments to understand the, the real history of the sport and UFC 15 was no different. So UFC 15 collision course took place at the casino magic Bay in St. Louis uh st louis mississippi that is uh which i found pretty funny uh because i didn't even know that was a thing but it is um this this one the tv announcers were the same usual crew bruce beck jeff blatnick and then uh the the og buff bruce buffer um I think this is his like third event that has been consecutive that he's been the the voice of U- the UFC, which is awesome to see his development too. Because uh, back then it was it was a little dry, Buff, if I'm being honest. Uh, but it, it's so cool to see the way he's evolved too, and uh, a young Joe Rogan as well on the interviews, uh, which is always fun to watch. You could tell he he's he was a little nervous back then too, uh, made some mistakes on air. So it's really cool to see that uh, progression for sure. Uh, But for this event, we had a heavyweight tournament, as well as two big featured heavyweight bouts. Uh, So this was a pretty stacked card, to be honest, and uh, the fights played out that way as well. So the first matchup, let me just get to this right here. Uh, So this is important to note. There were new developments as far as rules being enforced at this event. Uh, And I think it's important to note this because some of them were just straight up ignored, uh, which is even (laughs) more funny. Uh, But the new rules being uh, they banned a whole bunch of different striking techniques, headbutts, groin strikes, uh, strikes to the back of the head and the neck, kicks to the head of a downed opponent, and uh, small joint manipulations. You can't just torque on someone's finger trying to break it. I don't think I've seen anyone do that anyway, uh, but I think it's for the better. Um, and then pressure point strikes, which was the, the most hilarious thing that I saw because it, it it's a lot of voodoo bullshit. If you ask me, I I don't believe in that. Uh, but it's funny that they they mentioned that because I don't even know what that would could like categorize under. Like, what? so you tell me I can't punch people in the neck? Like I, I don't understand. Uh, but hair pulling is another one too, uh, which I don't mind. Uh, a couple of a couple of weird ones happened in the early UFC where we're watching this and we're like, well, what the hell am I really watching here? Uh, shout out to uh, Ke- Kevin Rozier and uh, Zane Frazier. That's the one that comes to mind dude dudes just grabbing a fistful of hair and just uh, pounding on them. Uh, but this is a new era, and all of that is now gone. And this was awesome too to note because uh, in Pride One, Dan Severn ended up fighting Chemo and. He was supposed to fight in this event as well. He was supposed to be in the tournament, uh, but unfortunately, they <laughs> the doctors were were clearing everyone, and they realized that he had a broken finger. And he was saying, "I want to fight. Like I I don't care." Uh, but the doctors ended up pulling him and and saying, "You can't," uh, which I find interesting for two different reasons. One. Uh, they actually give a shit enough. Because <laughs> I feel like today, a lot of people get away with some sketchy medicals and then we're finding out after the fight, like, hey, well, I had a broken kneecap. Like, dude, how does that even happen? <laughs> like, it's crazy. Uh, um, and then secondly, uh, the fact that he jumped from organization to organization. Like, thinking about that happening in today's MMA is absurd. Like, it it, it doesn't exist at all. And And the only parallels are sort of, some of the things that bellator does where they're pairing with other organizations uh but i I got a question for you how do you feel about sort of the landscape of mma today you're a big sports guy we know how these sports work in other uh legitimate sports organizations how do you feel about the landscape of mma and whether or not it's healthy for them as free agents oh i think it's great i think it's great because you have now
1: you have um more than just ufc and obviously there was always more than just ufc but the ufc was always like the like you know like the mlb like the professionals that was always the one where you felt like that was the top tier one and then you had bellator was kind of like you had like the former ufc grades and then you know people who couldn't make ufc now have the chance to make it to bellator or uh i love how i'm I'm failing at this you probably edit this part out but Oh my God. What is that one called? The one that M- mighty mouse is in now. One, one, one. Thank you. <laughs> I, I would always think it's KR one and I don't know why, like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And then you have, then you have one championship too, which a lot of fighters are, are, are starting to head over there too. Now where, you know, if you can't make it to the UFC, you always get another chance. It's not like, you know, if you don't make it in the UFC or you don't get the chance to get in the UFC, your career is over. And like, you gotta find something else or find little backyard, uh, you know, fights to find. But, you know, I, I love the landscape of what it's at now. I think I love the more that there is, the better. Cause I don't know if anyone's really gonna catch UFC anytime soon. Bellator is probably the closest, but I don't think they're anywhere near because you're, you're seeing fighters from Bellator come to the UFC. And, you know, I like you see also that you have former greats from ufc also like head to bellator when they feel like their career is heading out and or they have bare knuckle fighting too which is really starting to take over like for certain fighters a lot of fighters have headed there since the ufc which i i've been in fighting before i i still don't get how you choose to be in bare knuckle fighting over wearing you know eight ounce gloves but that's on them so congratulations to them (laughs) so for not feeling that type of pain but I like I said, man. I love the landscape that it's
0: at now. I think it's I think it's fantastic. That's a real good show. and I feel like uh, two two other organizations I want to mention too: KSW and uh, ACA. I think what what people don't what people sleep on is those these Russian leagues. Because I'm gonna be real, uh, we see how the, uh, the those fighters from the Caucus regions are doing in the UFC. Um, when we see those homegrown talents, like for example, Peter Yan came up through ACA and I, I'm a big fan of ACA, honestly, more so than uh, than uh, organizations like Bellator and one, uh, because a they have a lot of fighters that um, there's no shot you're pronouncing their name, first of all. So I I, I <laughs> know that no one else knows who these people are. I feel like that's a part of my fandom. Like, I'm like, I know something that you guys don't because that's how deep I'm in this. And then B um i feel like compared to every organization i've ever watched besides the ufc fight for fight they're up there as far as the talent you're watching uh in this last pass card uh, davi ramos former ufc fighter just made it his way over there and had a great competitive fight there too uh there's just so much talent that a lot of people have no idea about across the, the landscape which is awesome uh but one thing that i i wish i we'll see some improvement in really is sort of mobility because once you end up somewhere else it feels like you're stuck there no matter where it is whether it's UFC or any of those other organizations Uh, I love to see something crazy like uh, what Bellator and and BKFC are doing I think uh, BKFC they're going to be doing Mike Perry versus uh, MVP in bare knuckle uh, which, uh, first of all, you're taking MVP out of his comfort zone entirely. Uh, so it makes for an interesting matchup and uh, like an interesting uh, sort of bubble scenario where I feel like in any other uh, kind of c- competition, MMA, boxing uh mvp 100 percent should be the favorite that one i'm not i'm not really sure so I, I think if there is that mobility um it could only a help the fighters make more money and be uh leave for more awesome one-off events uh like they were trying to do in, in this ufc
1: but yeah, man, uh for sure mm-hmm. uh sorry i didn't know if you were finished but yeah man for sure uh I, I like I said, man. I I love the way it's it's just really panned out. That's that was the one I was thinking of. I, I was confusing the two when I thought Kr one for some reason, but that's what I was thinking of. I just couldn't get it together. But yeah, man, it's uh it's just it's just good to see all these other organizations that obviously not a lot of people pay attention to over here, but they they bring in the one of the you know the best fighters to UFC eventually or. You know they have great fights of their own over there that people start paying attention to the one thing that i love that the ufc does that they finally moved away from was the like the popularity sort of fight like like seeing the cm punks of the world trying to fight in the ufc like i never want to see that again because like as much as i love seeing like you know someone that i you know grew up watching in the fake wrestling and all that i I love seeing real fighters that like are supposed to be like quote unquote super fights eventually fight each other and sometimes you see where in bellator or even like you know in bare knuckle where you see fighters that you you know the name. And like kind of don't mix well, but it would create a super fight to sort of say I I don't know i've I've been so used to that failing in the UFC that I just it's like turned me off from
0: from uh, seeing it again, I guess hmm. Yeah, those freak show fights are really something else. And I, I feel like uh, I, I would love to have you on for another Pride event because I feel like that's more common in, in Pride than it is now. And, and it's done in a different way, which I like where it's not like let me try to get uh, a fight where you're fighting some random dude uh, from Bumpfuck, Ohio, and you actually have a chance. Like, no, they was throwing in pro wrestlers in there with Mirko Krokop and just getting fucking decapitated, bro. Like, <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, so I agree with you, man. I think no matter how much uh, I feel like people clown on the pro wrestling nowadays, because obviously we're older, we grew out of that. Uh, but it, it, you, if you're saying that you were not a fan of pro wrestling growing up, I think you're lying. Like, I, I think you're you're trying to hide the truth here. No, um, I was a big fan. You, yeah, 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 hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah, me too. And I, and I think that's another reason why I ended up becoming such a big MMA fan too. Because I feel like that, uh, first of all, I was a fan of watching basically the same thing, but in a scripted format. And then I found out that it was scripted, and it did do something to me. I'm like, I don't know if this is actually what i need now um and i that's what grew how i grew apart but now i think about it you can't deny the fact that uh mma's roots is really tied to pro wrestling and Mm -hmm. that aspect and and even thought of mixing the martial arts in that way uh sort of stems from that so can't 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 hate too much on pro wrestling at all you can't hate on the wwf
1: or e whatever you want to call it you know i know it's wwe now but you can't hate on it because that built the landscape for fans to love mixed martial arts or even any sort of wrestling anything like that you know having that on national t- tv for uh, since like the 80s almost and and then everyone look how many fans there still are the wwe back then it was absolutely ridiculous everyone was a wwe fan if, if you're if you weren't you're lying because the the stories behind every single week were so amazing like you were just drawn in you couldn't not watch it But and but that built, you know, it being on TV deals and, you know, seeing that so people like Dana White can see like, oh, people love wrestling, you know, even if that is fake, you why don't I make it real? And then, you know, that's what that's what drew everybody in. So, you know, I I give huge props to the to the WWE, even even uh, Dana White has has as well, because he has gone on on so many interviews to praise Vince McMahon, and what he's done and build
0: the landscape for so many others. For sure, for sure. And I, don't get me wrong, I, I will flame any, any current WWE fighter that's trying to come and, and f- compete in MMA because it's not happening. Like, I give you the respect. Because honestly, we don't see that happening with boxers. We don't see that happening with kickboxers to the same extent where they want to come over into MMA to test themselves. Shout out to Carissa Shields. Uh, she's the only real modern boxer, I think, doing that. And she took an L for it, but she's still in it. Uh, she, and and that's, that's awesome and really super commendable. Um, Amanda Serrano as well took some MMA fights. So uh, not, not too many crossovers, but the reason why I bring that up is because like, you got to give them the respect for actually being willing to do it, but I agree. There's a time and place, and and there should only be, uh, sort of, room for that in the in the lower amateurs versus um, on prime time, what should be the NFL of MMA. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, let, let's get into the this UFC 15 uh, event, man. With our first um, alternate bout for the heavyweight tournament between Alex Hunter and Harry Moskowitz, Alex Hunter, standing at 5'9", 210 pounds, and Harry Moskowitz standing at 6'5", 293. So this was Alex Hunter's second UFC fight. He actually beat Sam Fulton at UFC 14, but uh that fight was untelevised so i've never seen alex hunter fight i just knew that he has fought in the ufc before so i was excited when i saw his name it's about time i get to see him fight um this was harry's ufc debut and the ref for this one is the only other ref at this point besides big john joe hamilton uh who who interestingly enough gets me a little pissed off so i'm, I'm excited to talk about that in a few uh but this this fight started off both these guys came out in Southpaw. And the first thing I noticed off of RIP is like, the clock is on the screen. And I know that sounds like a that we take for granted today, uh, but this is the first time they actually left it on the screen, the entirety of the fight. Uh, a lot of the times they'll sort of pop it in and then take it off, uh, but you'll end up lost, especially in these longer rounds, uh, you end up really confused <laughs> about where you are in the fight. Uh, so it was cool to see that they put that on there and, um, man i'm excited to jump right into this one this one was one of the slower fights of the of the card i'm not gonna lie it was it was a slog at first uh but this this fight really got me to thinking about the current judging uh criteria versus the judging criteria at the time uh because early on alex hunter's you know going Sorry to be corny, but I got to. He's hunting for these takedowns, and he he's really trying hard to get them, clinching up as much as he can with Harry. And Harry's doing a good job at stopping it, and then countering with knees up the middle, um, and really did a lot of damage in that first sort of seven minutes. Um, and this is a twelve-minute round, so that's the majority of the round. Uh, eventually, Alex Hunt is able to take him down and really work from top position there, getting into mount and really. Having having his way with him from there, uh, I'm just curious. When you came after, when you finished watching this fight, who do you feel like won? A and, and B. What did you think of it? Because this this one was definitely a, a shock to the system for the first fight of the night.
1: Yeah, you know, at first I I thought Harry had it, but then thinking about the ground game, or actually, yeah, the ground game that you saw with Alex, you you started to realize like because he had it for a good amount of time that. from what we've seen as you know being fans of the UFC now like that means a lot so I at first I was confused because I I didn't want to look up any results before I before I saw the fight but then I was like I wonder if you know ground points really mean that much at UFC 15 and you know like they do now so like with damage I was thinking more Harry had it and I was like oh I think Harry got the win because I didn't think that the points you know having the ground game like that really mattered but then once i saw that alex had won i was like oh well, that makes that makes sense that kind of was like what i expected like if it was the ufc nowadays because a lot of people care about getting the takedowns and the points and holding them down and it, it's you know how difficult it is to hold someone down for <laughs> in a 12 minute round so you know i i was i was actually pretty happy with the result that alex won but i i could have 100 percent seen it going harry's way that's that was my initial guess and so yeah i i, I think it was still a great fight though because i love little close split decision fights like that where you have no idea who won because that's how good it was or you know how intense it was on from, from both sides
0: heck yeah dude and and what, what there's a couple things that got me tight in this fight i'm not gonna lie the first the first thing being obviously I know it's very, it's very difficult and it's commendable. And I agree with you. I think you should be valuing those things much higher than they do get credit for in today's MMA, as far as ground positioning and, and maintaining that. Uh, But I feel like early on in these UFC events, uh, the big theme is like, there's a lot of dominant top control, but there isn't a lot of advancing a and b damage from there there's a lot of times where they end up getting almost stuck um, and being in spots where they're not really landing shots they're they're sort of passively holding on to that position and don't get me wrong i don't think that they should be stood up like it kind of got me annoyed when they got stood up in this one because you're in mount dude like you should never be stood up from full mount in my opinion that's it's way too much of a dominant position you could even argue half guard you should never be unless the person on the bottom is really making it a slog fest by holding you uh, there was a fight later on we'll talk about a little bit more about that too where there's moments where he's literally just holding his arms and looking yes. at the ref like sir please <laughs> sir
1: please pick <laughs> was, us up i'm glad here. you just mentioned that because i was
0: gonna say that happens later on mm-hmm, exactly yeah. so it's, it's so i find it weird um that they even stood them up in that position don't get me wrong but i i do admit when i'm watching someone with dominant positions like that not really take advantage of it it is a little frustrating as as a spectator to watch because like dude you're you're already at check let's bring this bitch to checkmate like finish the finish the (laughs) situation you know uh but uh, respect to alex for for pulling out the win i agree um with you but i also think the current criteria is a little confusing so the current criteria really values damage more than control i personally feel like control should be awarded not equally but more than it does in today's MMA. And I think a great modern example of that was that uh, Talia Santos versus Valentina Shevchenko fight, where Mm -hmm. everyone came across saying, you know, 100% uh, Valentina won that because the current criteria values damage more. But I would argue most of that damage came from an illegal strike. And most of the rounds were being controlled by Talia on the ground in dominant positions. Uh, So I personally came away from that fight feeling like Talia deserved more cards more closer cards a and and deserve the nod in my opinion but based on the criteria i can't make that argument and that's something that i find a little bit frustrating with today's uh judging criteria because i get they're trying to emphasize the fact that it's a fight but it really does give an unfair advantage to strikers against grapplers in those matchups
1: yeah i was thinking uh of the fight of al versus peter yan because you know, you saw for the first two rounds, Alja, you know, had him in the body lock and uh, kind of kept him there for like two full rounds. And then the third round was kind of doing the same thing. But Peter Yan was starting to like really tag on. It was was getting, I still to this day, I thought Peter Yan won that fight, but I'm not sure. going to get into that. <laughs> but, you know, like I thought Peter Yan with, with how he performed in like, I would say after like the first minute of the third round, all the way to the end of the fight he dominated that fight and Alger, you know Alger still you know god sent his takedowns but i i really thought like you know it was a close fight and i still thought like peter yan won because of more significant strikes and just total strikes but they gave it to alger because of how he you know managed the, the the control and his control time was you know incredible those first two rounds and even in the fifth round he got some some good control time so you know, it was just like that's why I based it off of, of for this fight because you're seeing sometimes they really it, it really I think it kind of depends on the judges and how they how they see it because sometimes you see judges that you know score things 30 27 and then all of a sudden it'll be 29 28 the other way and you're just like mm-hmm. you guys watch the same thing like how are you that off but you know sometimes that's just some judges see wrestling. And and ground control as you know winners of rounds and some see it as striking, so it really depends on unfortunately on the the judge you get. So I, that's what I was basing it off of was Aljamain and that and how he won, but I still think Peter Young won.
0: I agree with you on that. And I, I love that there's uh, there's no inherent Long Island bias. Uh you would you That's would think that you're you're like, nah, Aljo's my guy, but yeah, no, I feel you. I agree with you on that. And and I even then when I made that take, I in the in the moment, I felt like a lot of people were like, oh hell no, like Aljo probably deserved to win. But it's like it's not if you if you really look at what the criteria says, like who who do I think deserve to win versus who I think should win in the criteria? A lot of the times those are two different things personally. Uh, so I feel like it's very conflicting, and sometimes I get a little frustrated with the criteria because it's like this is MMA. Like you should be rewarded for MMA positions in certain scenarios, but at the same time, damage is king, and there's a reason for that. It's, it's a fight. It's not a. It's not a competition. It's not a wrestling match. So it's just such a hard thing to to judge in that way too. Um, and something that I, I found interesting, I was at the uh, Better BF versus Joe Smith fight last night. And a lot of people around me were talking, were like uh, urging people to be more active, of course. That's how it always is whenever you're at a fight. And they're like, you know, the judges don't score, you sitting there and, and not doing anything. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, like, technically, the judges don't score anything. Like, all, all they do is write in 10-9 at the end of the round. It's not like they're checking or tallying or doing anything to sort of accumulatively decide who's winning these fights. It's really just a matter of uh, taking that full round into consideration and then deciding who did the better work. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just so crazy. I feel like um, there's a huge disconnect in the fan base in general on what the scoring criteria actually revolves around, A and then be uh, what deserves to be rewarded more than other things. Um, and and it's just too much going on to ever come up with a sort of formula or an algorithm to make uh, for, for scoring, especially in MMA. So I'm not leaning towards that, but something needs to change in order to account for all the different aspects of the martial arts in a way that makes sense. Uh, but I say all that to, to get back to my favorite moment of this fight. So <laughs> the, the moment where they both uh, got stood up and they're just looking at each other, like, <sighs> like <laughs> yeah. I, I feel you, I feel you, bro. That, I I say it all the time on this show, but that's me in Tiger Showman's uh, in that last six minute cardio moment where I'm just like, dude, like, bruh. It was hilarious to see that they were just there, staring, like, not even moving, just looking at each other, like, oh shit, <laughs> like we're both tired as hell right now. Uh, Joe Joe Hamilton really pissed me off when in that moment he's just like let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Like he kept saying it over and over again to them and like clapping at them. And like, I get it. You want to, you want to get the action going? But uh, the fact that you stood them up from a dominant position, now you're just being the ultimate cheerleader in front of them. It was like, bro, are you serious? And um, right after too, he messed up big time. I don't know if you caught this, but when he was reading off the split decision results, he raised Alex's hand uh when they when he read the first card so i think he knew that alex won because when the, he read the when they read the second card he didn't raise harry's hand so it's like if you're going to do that at least make it seem realistic like dude you tipped the hand like we know who won because of what you did oh, uh, yeah. so that i that was a random catch there but i found that pretty funny
1: well yeah i think the refs know right after the fight when once bruce comes in they tell him so that it's not like, you know, anything confusing or he raises the wrong person's hand. You know, he knows who so he has to raise. But yeah, he definitely gave it away by, uh, by what, once that first, uh, score came in. But yeah, man, it was, uh, it was a good fight. Like I said, I, I love fights like that. But, you know, obviously it's changed so much that you really wouldn't see um them being told to stand up from like a position like that like you were saying but it did look like like when you when you watch it over again like i'm i'm re-watching like just the last like two minutes just to see like if 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 i see what he was seeing and you could clearly tell that they're like super gassed and they're kind of like there's no way one's like trying to like get on full mount or anything they're just they're kind of just holding on to each other but yeah man it's uh It was a tough decision it it's it's uh it was still a good fight though
0: hell yeah hell yeah and 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 what was one of the slower fights of the night the fact that we we found some good action is awesome uh, yeah. But I, I usually come into those. I feel like the 12-minute round, like, I am i can't wait to the point in history where we no longer see those long opening rounds because it can lead for good fights in certain matchups. But most of the time, it leads to after uh, minute five, one guy clearly has a huge advantage, and the other one is just dead to rights cast. So um, I can't wait to see that that progression in MMA as well. But uh, moving on to the next alternate bouts, Houston-Door standing at six foot, 200 pounds, coming up against Dwayne Kaysen, standing at 5'10", 215 pounds, Uh, the nephew of Leon Spinks, which I I found pretty interesting that they noted on the broadcast. Um, At this point in time, I think they really put an emphasis on sort of any way they could legitimize MMA and the UFC specifically, like they'll go with that angle. So like they'll make sure to name drop anyone they can. Uh, so I found that hilarious. Uh, but both of these guys were making their UFC debut here. Dorr, I think it's important to note, 39 years old, while Dwayne is 20 years old. Um, and, and I think that definitely uh, reared its ugly head in the way this fight played out. So uh i'll just let you take it away here sort of what was your reaction to this fight and the way it played out um and what what were your thoughts in general uh kind
1: of like you just said age definitely plays a factor on this one um but uh you know at that time you kind of just take not to be like rude but ufc was still so fresh so you were taking anyone that that was that was real competitive in mixed martial arts and and with uh i think houston Dorr he was a kickboxer so it kind of changed the uh it was kickboxing was still kind of fresh if that makes sense and you know watching this fight for the first time uh yesterday it was it was kind of alarming to see because you don't see it too much where you know in ufc now it's so like professionalized and you know, you have like, it feels so even though the fighters are fighting each other, it feels so like clean, like nothing too dirty happening. But like this one, it's kind of just like a big scramble and people are still trying to learn how to, you know, like wrestling coaches are not at their best like they are now. And so you kind of just see people mounting each other and trying to just like, first on top of each other before, uh, you know, obviously, Kason, you know, finishes them off with the TKO, but, uh, you know, you see you just see a completely different style of what ufc is now so it's it's definitely such an adjustment for me like to see this now obviously still seeing people wearing shoes is isn't a huge adjustment because you know that i can't believe people still like thought that that was normal to have shoes on in you know an mma fight but you know it, it was it was a good fight eh, but i'm I wasn't surprised by the result at all like i was watching it going like it's gonna happen any minute i know it and, and it ends up happening so it was a good fight but yeah it, it wasn't my
0: favorite of the night heck yeah and i think that was one of my favorite things watching these old school events cuz there isn't I'm going to be frank there isn't a lot of competitive fights like most of the time it's one dude that's uh the representative of some sort of martial art that's out here just trying to prove it's worth against someone that has a semblance of these different uh uh, disciplines and they're able to just take advantage of the fact that they don't have that knowledge um, and, and that's exactly what this was I thought the funniest thing about this fight for me was as soon as the fight starts <laughs> door lands a nice uh, a calf kick and I'm just like ooh calf kicks uh, back in this time because uh, nobody nobody was really going for them at this time but as soon as that was happening he just immediately gets double legged and um, a shout out to Dwayne case I thought he looked really good in this fight man quickly postured up put his this is just filthy uh put his put his knee right across uh door's neck and just starts bombing on him I'm like god damn dude uh respect uh just (laughs) just just posture it up and just rain down blows until uh Joe Hamilton was forced to stop it uh this this fight I thought uh set up a good scenario usually whenever there's two alternate bouts the person that gotta finish or gotta finish faster is the one that would get called up so i was looking at this like hmm th- this should be interesting should anything else happen um and it's not often in alternate fights where i'm like I- i'd like to see this guy in the ufc again and that was immediately uh, my reaction with doing case and so uh this this was a fun one while it lasted but definitely one sided for sure
1: yeah yeah it definitely was once once you see the takedown and then you know you just you're pressing all your weight onto him and in, you know, to lean on the cage like that, you knew eventually, um, hold on. I'm going to edit that part out. You knew eventually that Houston would eventually just tire out and that, uh, and he, he definitely did because he, uh, you saw, uh, you know, you can only defend yourself for so long when you, when punches are raining on you like that. And then eventually, you know, it, it slips through and once one slips through, then that that's it. And, yeah, it was it, like i said it was a good fight and but it really looked extremely non-competitive because you just saw houston fighting from his back from mainly the entire time and then you know you can't fight for four minutes on your back eventually one will get you and once one gets you with that strength then you're usually going to sleep especially in a heavyweight division so mm-hmm. it was a good fight but not the greatest
0: yeah yeah for sure it was it was a good squash match we'll call it that uh a yeah, good that- ass kicking a good old ass kicking You love to yeah. see those two <laughs> uh next up the first um semifinal bout of the heavyweight tournament mark kerr 2-0 in the ufc and coming off his tournament win at ufc 14. i was surprised that they even put him in another tournament because usually when people win tournaments they put them in a featured bout or they put them in a title fight Uh, So I was really surprised that he was in this one again, but I was excited because he like, in my opinion, he took the UFC by storm and the fact that his teammate was the champion, uh, but ended up losing the belt in that same event that he made his debut. It really sort of opened the lane for him to get that shot. So the fact that he was still in the tournament, I was, I was like, Oh, well we get more ass kicking. So (laughs) let's do it. Um, So he was coming up against Greg Stott, um, let me just read off the, the mathematics here. Mark Kerr is six foot one, two hundred and fifty-three pounds. And to this day, I'm looking at this this number and it's it's a fucking lie, right? Like there's no way he was 253 pounds. This dude looks 280. E- easy easy. and shredded, <laughs> bro. Like yeah, shredded. Easy. <laughs> Crazy. Uh and then Greg Scott Greg Stott uh was five seven, two twenty-two and every bit of five seven let me add that in uh poor guy poor guy This this is the only thing you could say here um i'm gonna i'm gonna just i just love the fact that this clip happened right before this fight because I, I i've seen this clip many many times but i didn't know where it came from mm-hmm. the just bleed dude was in attendance at this one man and and as soon as right before this fight you just see the infamous gif uh where he's freaking out for the camera and, and like doing the most cringe shit you possibly could and i'm like this is this is amazing the fact that this happened before <laughs> with the way this one turned out hilarious uh but big john is the ref for this one Uh, Both of these guys come out southpaw. Kurt just rushes right in, grabs the clinch, and just knees this dude's head off, bro. Immediately knees him. The guy drops, hits his head on the way down. So you know it was a really bad uh, knockdown and didn't even try to follow up. The, The fight was over. And I was like, damn, like this guy, he's been smashing dudes his entire time. But the fact that he's getting... A freaking standing knockout now too. Uh, watch out for Mark Kirk because that that was some scary shit. There's there's, I think the uh, defining part of MMA fandom is having those fights where as soon as it's done, you're looking around like, what the fuck did I just like? What is this legal? Like like this dude <laughs> just got destroyed, and and that was one of those moments.
1: Well, you definitely walk into that fight and you see the two comparisons of. of of what they look like you know their figure and you're going are you sure that you want to do this <laughs> because you're looking at kirk kerr's ripped like he's out of his mind ripped and greg looks a little on the uh softer side let's just say but you're going into it and mark kerr's clearly taller he's bigger and mark just immediately you know uh, uh i'm forgetting the word mark immediately grabs onto him you know they're in the clinch they're holding on to each other and then I think that was one of the cleanest knees I've seen because it wasn't like it wasn't like, you know, Greg was trying like had his hands up, try to block it. I don't even think he realized that that was coming. And as soon as it hit him, he went, you know, right into slumber mode and, and fell right over. So that was probably one of the like outshining moments of this card because you see it ended 17 seconds like that quick. And, you know, obviously, you know, seeing him win like that, you know, he's going to come up again later in the the night. So now you're you're really going like, oh, my God, who is this guy? Like, you know, obviously, you know who Mark Kerr is, but, you know, you're going like this guy's knocking people out from standing up. He's also good at submission. What else can he do? And so that was really like a defining moment. Like when that was like the first time I think I've ever seen him specifically knock someone out that quickly. With just like a it's just a straight knee. Like you see that all the time now with like when they're in the clinch, you're kinda of trying to do some quick knees or something, or you know, try to go to the body. But that was one so quick, clean knee up the middle and knocked him right out. That was that was a fun little uh fun little fight for
0: how whatever long it lasted, 17 seconds. Yep. Seventeen. Yeah. The walk off KOs are always my favorite too because uh, it, it takes a certain level of confidence uh, to really not follow up and put the nails in the coffin, so to speak. And he he knew immediately and and just walked off. And the respect uh, for for being willing to do that, because I don't blame these guys when. Uh, they end up with referees like Herb Dean. I'm looking at you, Herb Dean, uh, where they end up like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> stop the fight, bro. Uh, so, and and the fact that you have to tell the ref to stop the fight, uh, it's bad. So, I, I love walk-off KOs for that reason. Uh, really puts a stamp on, on that finish in general. And shout-out to Mark Kerr for just being this huge, physically imposing dude. And then he gets on the mic and he's like, yeah, Joe, I just really wanted to compete. And I really like like super humble, <laughs> super soft spoken, um, and like just such an ambassador for the sport, uh, while just being absolutely juiced off his mind and and just wrecking fools. Like, shout out to Mark Kerr for being that dude. Cause I'm sure at this time, um that was like the the ultimate, like we have something here, like we can go mainstream with this, uh, just because uh the optics of it. Uh so. Shout out to Mark Kerr, can't wait to, to see his what he has in store for us in the rest of the night as well. Uh, so this was another um, super long fight, but I thought a really fucking fun fight. Dave Benito coming up against Carlos Barreto. Dave Benito is 6'2", 260 pounds. Carlos Barreto, 6'4", 253. This was Barreto's UFC debut. Important to note, he was a 1996 BJJ World Champion. Uh, we see a lot of those guys making their way over to the UFC even today. Um, so important to note that. Beneteau, two and three in the UFC so far with his last fight coming at UFC 7.5. So it's been a while. Um, the referee for this one was uh, Big John. And um, they they let us know at the beginning of this fight, uh, three three fouls and you get disqualified and i immediately started laugh like literally laughed out loud because i was like damn like how is it possible that they were more strict on fouls back then than they are today cuz literally um the the art of fighting today is uh you get one of each you get one of each foul you could hit a dude in the in the balls you could grab the fence as long as you don't do it twice you're not going to get worn too sternly uh so i found that hilarious uh that they mentioned that off the top and the first foul of the night was when uh barretto ended up headbutting dave and then eventually he got tagged with another one too from grabbing the fence uh but this was a fun back and forth little fight man uh, a lot of momentum swings a lot of moments for both guys uh what, what did you feel about this this fight man it was it was good.
1: Uh, I, I think, it, like you said, it was probably one of my favorites, because like I said, I I love fights that go that you really don't know. until finally, like the last, you know, for fights like these that go 12 and especially in an extra three, you know, you get the uh, you really don't know who wins until like those final four minutes where you really start to pay attention on who's who's more gassed, who has like, you know, more spirit and you know you saw about like the six minute they're both on their knees like holding like their knees like oh, give me a second hold on like you know both of them are holding their knees trying to catch their breath and then uh eventually they go back to the takedown and then they're like kind of like you know holding each other for a while for i would say i think it was like three to four minutes until they finally called like a like a time and uh but you know you you were seen they were gassed from going all in in those first like three to four minutes so it was a good fight i love I love the, uh, the little three minute overtime thing that they have, but um, it's just so weird to see them like, you know, fighting for 12 consecutive minutes like that, where I don't even know how any fighter could do it nowadays. But back then, you know, you're just starting UFC. Everyone's kind of still in their first one to th- fourth fight in the UFC. And, you know, to really prepare yourself to go 12 to potentially 15 minutes of nonstop fighting that it's so crazy that that's what it was back then and like you know it took a long time for them to finally put rounds into it and stuff but it's i give them so much credit to really stand there and you know be in an octagon with another dude who's trying to rip your head off for 12 to 15 minutes and not go to sleep and you know go to the decision so that's why i love fights like these but like i said man it was a great fight i actually was surprised that it was unanimous. I thought it was going to be split cuz I could have seen um I could have seen Barreto getting getting one of the judges. I I almost had him winning because it was pretty close until I would say like I said till probably like the ninth minute mark where
0: it started to pull away a bit, but it was overall a really good fight. Heck yeah, man. And and real good momentum swings too. Like that's that's my favorite thing about fights in general. When you could have moments where you feel like one guy's about to win. Like early on, like you said, uh, Barretto got into back mount and was starting to hunt for a choke. And you're like, BJJ world champion in back mount, like this is wrapped, like sign it right now, that fight's probably over. And uh, shout out to Dave Benito. I I I noted this because it was hilarious. I laughed when I saw it too. Dude just stood up from from back mount like hilarious Derek Lewis style. Like I'm I just deciding I'm gonna get up now, and, I, and he just gets up. <laughs> uh, hilarious moment there. Uh, but then ended up going back and forth multiple times where Carlos ended up getting a takedown and then getting reversed, and now yeah. Benito's yeah. back on top. Um, I and when this fight was done. I was like, if this isn't my fight of the night, then we're in for an awesome fight at some point. Because this, this felt like a fight of the night type fight. Uh, like you said, there's not a, not often that there's momentum swings in these early UFC fights in general. Um, and the fact that it went back and forth like that really led for a fun fight. I was pretty confident that Benito had it just because he dominated the overtime. So it felt like it should be that way. Uh, but man, uh, super fun fight. Can't complain at all. And uh, shout out to Dave Benito, just landing bombs as well. Like when he got the chance, hammering uh, Carlos on the ground and taking advantage of those positions in a big way. Uh, but shout out to Carlos too. Dude landed a head kick flush right to the chin and Be- benito just ate it, bro. Like nothing happened. Like just, and, and then just kept right going. I'm like, dude, like you just got shin to chin and you no problems. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, so Shout out to, to Dave Benito for pulling that one out. Uh, but I, I'm a little frustrated with him, and we'll get on to why later on. But I, I just found it a very interesting stance. I feel like if uh what happened, um, and I'll explain later when it's relevant, but what when what happened happened? I was like, if this happened today, like in the in the Twitter era, like this dude would have got destroyed, like destroyed. Uh, but I'm I'm excited to get to that when the time is right. Next up. The featured bout, the first featured bout of the night in heavyweight division. I was so pumped for this man. Just seeing the name value of this fight uh, makes this uh, event sort of hall of fame worthy. Uh, Vitor Belfort, and at this time he is known as Victor Belfort, uh, mm-hmm. which is important to make the distinction. Standing at six foot two twenty four, I'm just shredded as well. Like clearly off all the all the Mexican supplements off of all. <laughs> all the acai bowls this dude is just uh shredded and randy couture at a, at a young 34 years old like let's get this shit straight randy couture is a fucking legend and if you hate on randy couture uh you, I, you got no room on the bus with me and this is why this dude came into this sport past his prime and dominated for many years like past his prime uh the fact that he's doing all this shit at 34 years old is amazing. Uh he came in 6'1 226 uh with the most defined sideburns I've seen in a UFC event uh just out here rocking the long sideburns with no beard. Uh a look that you will never see today. <laughs> just got to note that. Uh but Vitor 3 and 0 in the UFC. His last fight was knocking out Tank Abbott at UFC 13. Randy Couture is two and zero in the UFC, with his last fight also being when he won the heavyweight tournament at UFC 13, uh, where he beat Stephen Graham. The referee for this one is Big John once again. And first thing I noted, and I hope this isn't a, a little too homoerotic here, but did when the fuck did couture's shorts rip like uh, i i didn't see what caused it but i noticed it very early on like this man's shorts are half off right now like what the fuck did i miss here that this man's shorts are, are falling off uh fucking crazy um it, but
1: it kept happening you had it with 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 him as well and then you had it for the fight before like you saw like half his like leg pants whatever you want to call those things were like ripped off and i was like I think this is when Dana said, we we should start looking into like, you know, real shorts or having them come in and just shorts, like professional shorts, you know, maybe some sponsors before we eventually get our own. And I was like, cause it's so random. You have one dude wearing just like tights. You have another dude wearing like, you know, basically just underwear. You have other dudes wearing shorts that are ripped completely. And so it was like, it was just a very, it's funny to see how premature everything is to what it is now you see so many things that you know like dana white finally had like you know the thought to be like we we should fix that we we gotta we should edit that you know (laughs) they should come out looking like that
0: (laughs) for sure dude especially especially with the underwear ones like full wwe like there's been a couple times here where i'm like please like i'm not trying to see no balls brother like just uh, no matter how this works out please keep your shit contained <laughs> and yeah. thankfully it has been but crazy uh that that was one of the first things i noticed but uh brandy couture on the feet landed some nice jabs early on uh vitor also just just a, a berserker in the clinch man he's so fast and uh so powerful you see the impact of his strikes whenever he lands Uh, Randy worked the body really, really well with knees early on, and that that really gave me um, flashbacks, uh, well, flash forwards, I don't know what you'll consider it, but uh, to that uh, Dustin Poirier versus Charles Oliveira fight, where you see that uh, technically in this scenario, uh, Vitor would be the Poirier to Charles Oliveira's Randy Couture, where he's having success on the feed, landing big shots, uh, but you just see the trite of damage uh, accumulating slowly but surely. And uh, those knees ended up paying off big time as the, as the fight wore on. Uh, Randy ended up ducking under a straight left beautifully, getting a nice double leg takedown. And from there, just sapping the energy out of Vitor, worked right into side control. Uh, he did a really nice job actually setting up a scarf hold, he was trying to, trying to get that submission. Uh, Eventually, Vitor spun out the back, which I thought was really good uh, defensive awareness, uh, something that at this point, and I'll I'll make sure I mention this to the deaf of me, at this point, it's rare to see reversals. It's rare to see people get out of these bad positions, uh, and he fought his way out of it. Uh, But even after getting that reversal, he didn't fully reverse him. Uh, Randy was able to maintain top control and swim and stay on top. Uh, You really see that wrestling background of his there where he's just like cat-like almost, just staying gliding on top of Vitor no matter where he's trying to move, um, even though he's moving super explosively. And at that point, I just felt like, man, all the tides are headed towards Randy. And when they got back up on the feet, Randy just swarmed them, blitzed them, kept punching. In and out of the clinch and eventually was able to get on top and land some brutal knees to the head on the ground, uh, which is something as someone who's a big Japanese MMA fan. I love me some risen. um, I just wish that that was legal in the UFC because it'll a change positions like it'll force certain positions uh, into action in the way sometimes now it could end up being a little bit of a slow sort of uh, methodical. Thought process when in reality my knee is right here, bro. Like I I could just clearly (laughs) hit you with my knee. Uh, so why wouldn't I? And uh Randy Couture took advantage, landed like I think it was like eight eight of them in a row, just short knees, uh, right into the temple, and then eventually got back mount and just pounded them out from there. Savage uh TKO victory for Randy Couture and just dominant uh fashion as well, which was the first big upset of this card where, where you're like what the fuck did I just watch man <laughs> what the fuck did I just watch shout out to to Randy Couture for giving us that moment
1: yeah it, that fight was it, like I was telling you off here you know I've known Vitor for for I guess the last like five to six years of his career and he's like a legend you know he's a legend in UFC he's a legend before he was in the UFC and you know like you know, every, everyone was always, you know, he was like the wonder king. He was the guy at just 20 years old to be that ripped. And, you know, he's fighting all these, you know, the, the biggest of names that you look at UFC now. He's fought them. So going into that fight, I was like, oh, this is like a origin story for me to watch and see. Because I, I had never seen this fight specifically. I had seen the result. I've seen like the ending, you know, on, on either YouTube or, you know, like a, a clip. On Twitter, I've seen how this fight ends, but I was going into it, I was like, "How does it get like that?" You know, and watching it, you kind of took all the words. Like I was like getting ready to say these things, and then you would say it as I would say it, as I was thinking it. So, but uh, you know, seeing you know Randy take ground control from I think it was like the two and a half minute mark all the way to like the six and a half minute mark, four full minutes of just putting all your weight onto Vitor like that or Victor or whatever you know it's you know you put all that weight to drain him and then to finally you know Vitor was you know like you said reversals and all that to finally like escape and get out of it but I my favorite part of the whole fight was how Randy like you said swarmed him like as soon as uh Vitor got up it wasn't like you know like catch a break and you know for someone like someone like randy you think like he would need like a breather too but he knew like he had him on the ropes he just had to keep applying pressure keep applying pressure he didn't give vitor like a second to breathe so then you know you you eventually see vitor he can't even lift his arms anymore because he's so drained and you know eventually vitor uh, uh, falls you know he just had too much and then he goes down and then you see the knees come in but that was oh that was that was probably my favorite fight of the night because of how much Randy was swarming him from the start and how he just knew that if he could drain the energy out of someone that big, eventually they won't even be able to lift their arms. And that's exactly what happened to Vitor and fantastic fight. That was probably one of my favorite fights I've seen from like before I started watching. I I re-watched like two or three times. That's
0: how good it was for me. Awesome, awesome dude. And yeah, man, I agree. This this fight was crazy. Like and, and and just to add to that a little bit too, like All of Vitor's fights up to this point is him blitzing other people like this is not this is not normal. This is not something that we'll see. And because we've seen Vitor fight a lot of times, usually when he loses, it's like this where he starts off fast and ends up landing some good shots. And they're able to weather that storm and then just put it on him late. So this is the first time we got to see that side of him, to see him take that L in that way. Uh, and, and the fact that Randy Couture just blitzed them the way Vitor has been blitzing other people is it, just nuts. And the cardio, man, like this is not something that's normal. Like this is clearly what sets him apart. And I can't wait to see him fight some of the other guys in that heavyweight division, just because of how dominant he looks. And we haven't really even seen that much of him yet, but just his ability to keep him, his motor so high. Uh, I think that really is a testament to in my opinion, um, the optimized weight for heavyweight, even in today's sport, is around that 230-pound mark, because you're 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 just big enough that you're at the heavyweight standard, uh, but you're also at that sweet spot where you have the 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 ability to weaponize your cardio and really put it on guys that are more bigger and may not be able to withstand those longer um, durations like you can. And that that just completely was what uh, made the difference here. Shout out to Randy Couture, man, uh, at 34 years young, doing the damn thing and just putting it on full. So that was really cool to watch, man. Yeah, for sure. man. that was awesome. Heck yeah. And now we're moving on to the tournament final, um, the heavyweight tournament final. That is. And here's where we need we got some explaining to do so. I hope I'm not the only one that thought this was fucking bizarre, dude. Like, it, it was bizarre. You signed up for a tournament, Dave Benito. You didn't sign up to fight Carlos. And the reason why I make this distinction is he said it in his initial interview, and then they interviewed him again. They made sure they made him explain himself. And I won't be surprised if he doesn't compete for a couple more events after. Because it's just like, what the fuck, man? Like, you signed up for a tournament, dude. And you're like, whoa, well, I happen to fight the guy that we go to decision with. I'm a little tired. Like, bro, everyone who signed up for the tournament signed up knowing no matter how round one goes, you go on to round two. Perfect example I thought of when I when I was thinking of this. Imagine the Celtics were like, eh, two game sevens in a row, man. We're just going to let Miami go through. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? What do you mean, bro? Like, that's not how this works. Uh, so the fact that he sort of bowed out of the tournament and was like, well, I made an executive decision. Uh, call it Call it what you want. Uh, it seems like you quit on yourself and you decided, uh, I, I have no chance of winning this, so I'm just not going to fucking do it. Took his ball and went home. I guess I respect it. You knew you was going to lose, so I guess I respect it. Uh, but just absolutely bizarre. And if that happened in today's um, landscape, he would have been absolutely destroyed on Twitter.
1: And, that, and you would probably have Dana White probably kick him right off the UFC for something like that because Dana White doesn't have a tolerance for something like that. I guess he did back then because it's still up and running. But yeah when you see something like that it i kind of understand because you go 15 full minutes you know with with carlos right before and you know mark had knocked out uh greg and i think like i said 17 seconds so it's a huge difference of fighting there you know but at the end of the day you signed up for a tournament you knew eventually like there's a chance that you could go 15 minutes with the fight before you know but to win you will have to do it again maybe but uh, I think, yeah, I didn't like that he kind of just, you know, withdrew due to I think it was fatigue or, you know, being tired.
0: No injury, just straight yeah. fatigue.
1: Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like it's like it, it that's kind of corny to me, but you know, uh I my like my DNA would have been like, even if I'm gonna get knocked the hell out, I gotta go in there. Like I've signed up for this, you know. There's money on the line for me and my family, whatever it is. I'm going in there and hopefully maybe I land one. Cause that's all it takes sometimes is you just land one clean one and the whole aspect changes, but you know, it was Dwayne case ends up taking over
0: and it was, it was a good fight while lasted, <laughs> I guess. Oh <laughs> yeah, man. I, I just got to say, shout out to Dwayne case for having the balls. I personally felt like Dave Benito just saw that knee and he was like, ah. Uh, I'll see you next time. Uh he he he's clearly not tired, you know. He only had to throw one knee. I, I had a fight for 18 minutes. Like, come on, bro. I mean 15 minutes either way. Uh Mark Kerr 6'1, 253 going up against Dwayne Case 5'10, 215. And Dwayne in shredded too. Like, let's make that clear. <laughs> There's a huge size, size difference between these two guys. Like and and the sequence, uh, you mentioned re-watching things a, a couple times. This was the only fight that I rewinded in its entirety and watched a couple times because it was really comical to me just how big Mark Kerr looked getting that takedown. Like he he got it, it almost felt like uh, like big big brother, little brother. Like he just just shoved them down so easily and then gets right on top, works straight into mount and then eventually uh gives up his back and then he just works to get the rear naked choke from there methodical just brute force pressure um mark kerr is really that dude and i'm excited to see where his career goes after this because um you're already at the top you're already a two-time heavyweight tournament champion uh you got to be in line for a title shot or something soon and just given the way he fights man he's been so dominant I think his total fight time in like four different fights now is under five minutes um just crazy 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 stuff that he's been able to accomplish and uh super excited to see what's next yeah you know with that
1: fight I, I'm I'm big shout out to Dwayne Cason because he obviously wasn't supposed to be part of that fight and he takes it anyway like that's the spirit that I have like You know, I'll whatever it takes. All right, I'm in. Whatever, I'm in. Like you know, I'll do it. And the fact that like you, when you look at them in the ring together, it almost like I'm not saying it was because their weights weren't, but it almost looked like a like a heavyweight versus like a light heavyweight, where it almost you could clearly see the difference between the two, and you know, it. It almost, like, the way uh, Kerr takes him down, you know, goes for that double leg and then literally just uses all his brute upper force to just tackle him, and then he tackles him, and then you're just seeing him drain him until eventually Kaysen tries to escape by, you know, back then, you're thinking, like, obviously they knew, but you, you would never see it nowadays where people try to roll over on their back to try to escape because he almost like gave it to him like you know he rolls over on his back and kerr was like thanks <laughs> like he was just waiting for him to finally like do that for him and he just got the rear uh rear naked choke and you know it was a wrap but it was it was it was a good fight and i big shout out to dwayne casey for that one for
0: sure heck yeah man um Mark Kerr is is a scary dude, bro. He's a scary dude. I can't wait to see him probably fight uh the champion of this heavy, the next heavyweight fight. Uh so next up, the main event, baby. Uh Maurice Smith, the heavyweight champion, standing at 6'2, 223 pounds, fresh off of beating Mark Coleman and becoming the champ, uh, defending his belt for the first time against David Tank Abbott, who is standing at six foot, two hundred and seventy-seven pounds. And Now, listen to this because I found this so cool, man. Marie Smith is one and zero in the UFC, already the champion. Mark Coleman, uh, sorry, Tank Abbott, six and five in the UFC, He's fought everyone. Um, and I-, I just give him a lot of respect because he finds himself at the deep end of the damn pool every single time, um, and rightfully so, like, he is that good. Uh, a lot of the times he doesn't get the respect that he deserves because historically because he has that many losses as well uh but i think he's the perfect example early on of why mma is different than boxing as far as your credibility and experience because this dude has fought everybody who is relevant uh oleg taktarov is a name that comes to mind where it's just like Dan Severn like he has fought every one of note in that era win or loss it doesn't matter and he, he he gives it his best out there so much respect uh but this one was sort of a tale of two fights right um it came down to tanks gas tank early Uh, Smith was just peppering him with uh, chopping leg kicks to the thigh beautifully, I might add, Uh, just cutting an angle, landing that leg kick and then darting off, Uh, really was trying to keep his distance early on because um, there's some deficiencies on the ground, and eventually Tank was able to take advantage of that, get top position, uh, sort of maintain top position for minutes at a time, moving into side control multiple times, Uh, but I, I think I always make sure to note this about Maurice Smith, The way he's able to hold on in these less advantageous positions and then put himself in a position to work, regardless of how bad it gets, getting inside control, finds his way to retain his guard, twice he did that. And that's very difficult to do even in today's MMA. Uh, so to see someone being the pioneer of that in an era where there is no back and forth, usually you get put in a bad position and this Dunzo, uh, the fact that he's consistently shown in his first two fights that you could put him in a bad spot and it's not over. That's the evolution of MMA right there, if you ask me, because that that he's on the forefront of that as far as um, really using your skills to extend these fights. And after they stood up, man, Tank Abbott was done. Uh, Hands on his knees, huffing and puffing. And Maurice Smith just kept chopping out that leg until eventually um, Big John just stopped it. I think Tank Abbott might have even said something to Big John, like, hey, I'm fucking done. Because it looked like it could have kept going. But right before Tank sort of looks at him and says something and then Big John stops it, the first Uh, leg kick TKO in UFC history if I got my my ducks in order so uh, just an awesome performance there by Maurice Smith Uh, got dicey got was back and forth uh, but shows this championship medal once again
1: yeah I I liked um I liked tank this whole almost the whole fight until you saw around like the four minute mark and that's when I started to know like I, I I put it in my notes specifically because I I was thinking about it and you know you saw around the four and a half, five minute mark where you see Tank is gassed. You know you're seeing Tank is really like trying to hold on. He's a he's got top position still, and he had it for the majority of the whole fight. But you could see like his gas tank was was draining while Maurice was. You see that he had a, like he's got a great you know, gas tank, he even being like on the ground and, you know, having bottom position like that, he was still trying to maneuver ways to get out of side control or, you know, trying to find his positions, like you were saying. And, you know, he looked like he was fine. Like, you know, he wasn't gas. He was ready to, he was just waiting to finally like get out and then, you know, get back to the, the, to uh standing position and then, you know, take control. And you saw like, as soon as, like you said, as soon as tank stood up, like Tank was Tank was leaning on Big John to like help him get back to his coaches, and right then and there you see, uh, I think Big John says to him like, you know, you want to keep going? Are you all right? And he's like, no, no, like he's done. And then like his coach tries to give him water, he's like, no, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And then you could tell like he he, he wants no part of it, and you know like by the time Big John tells him to go in, you like you said he he says something to Big John, probably saying like. I don't want to do this. Like I'm, I'm gassed. I'm done. And then you could see that, you know, Maurice saw that right away. Cause as soon as they said, go, he, he just walked straight over to him and started abusing the leg again. And eventually, you know, it was kind of like, I hate to see it cause you don't like seeing that, but you know, I hate seeing like a quit, but I get it. You know, you're gassed, you know, I, do you want to keep taking the leg kicks and then get knocked out? Or you just say I'm done. Like I'm done. And, you know, I I had seen this ending before. I had no idea it was from this card, but I had seen this before. And, uh, you know, you could could just tell right from the second they went on break. Tank doesn't even lift his arms anymore. He's just kind of standing there waiting for something to happen to him or, you know, Big John to step in this because he was done.
0: Yeah, man. It's so cool to see, too, like... Just to give a little bit more context to exactly what you said, like Maurice Smith is the anomaly. Whenever anyone is getting controlled historically up to this point on the ground, they get up and they look like Tank. It's not like they're they're energized. They look like they're exhausted. They look like they're the ones trying to catch their breath. And it's been the opposite in both of his fights now where he's spent significant amount of times on the bottom and ends up getting up and looking entirely fresher than than his opponent uh, and really weaponizing that cardio once again like we talked about just uh really awesome performance and real quick a random moment that i thought was hilarious um early on when tank was pushing him up against the fence they were right in maurice smith's corner and frank shamrock is right there he's like you got to watch that right hand on the clinch break and as soon as they broke he gets dropped by a right hook <laughs> like as soon as he was like literally poetic um, so it was funny to see that interaction where the co- the is trying to prepare him for what's coming, and he still can't do nothing about it. Uh, but obviously, is end up being able to recover and and uh, turn the fight in his tide in, in the later half of it. Uh, just an awesome performance, really cool um, thing for the heavyweight division, man. Because right before Maurice hit the picture, uh, Mark Coleman felt like Mark Kerr is right now, where it's like nobody's fucking with this dude like he's just coming through tearing everybody apart and this is going to be the guy that's going to reign for a long time maury smith just came out of nowhere upset everything and now there's a couple monsters on the horizon too randy couture mark Kerr. like this division is looking awesome at this point in time and the fact that uh pride is doing their thing too is just there's a lot of things going on uh, which which is really cool and I think is it really speaks to my fandom in MMA now too. like that. That's something that always excites me the most where I'm seeing guys pass these tests like, for example, Adrian yanez this weekend, where you you know that they're that dude, but there's certain uh, matchups you got to get through. And as they're getting through them it just you you get even more excited for the next fight because you're like well they've shown they can do this they've shown they can do this now let's see if they can do this uh and and to see that with this heavyweight division is just awesome and in this historical context too just to learn about these guys uh, i thought this event was great and uh it's been awesome to go over uh so is there anything you want to get into before we get into our awards for the night
1: um I was just gonna to say too that, you know, this is like, this is where you really start to see like even now watching it because like I said I didn't start growing into UFC until I think it was like UFC like one fifty six or something but you know it I after watching that and you see how how many good heavyweights there are you go oh man like I I almost want to see what's next because and obviously it happened twenty five years ago but you're going like oh man like. That's when UFC really started to like, you know, take full force on and having the fan base that it did to be like, you know, it's it was so entertaining to know who was going to win the next one. And even when you think like, like sometimes like we said before, you get fights that are just clearly a mismatch or, you know, sometimes you get that, but do you have like four to five, even six guys who put them together, you have like real super fights and that it was like really starting to take turn on on obviously we had two super fights right there but you know there was a lot it it showed the promise that the ufc was was heading toward
0: for sure man for sure there's a lot to grow off of still uh which is super exciting uh but let's get right into these uh awards man i'm super excited uh to go through these so the first one that i do is the performance of the night so this one is reserved to it doesn't matter if it's a decision knockout submission no matter what kind of fight it is who you thought had the best performance overall um just showing their skills showcasing their ability and for me it had to be randy couture versus vitor Belfort. man uh just a great performance a great uh utilization of your skills and we talked a lot about it already, so I won't beat a dead horse. But uh, for sure, this really stood out as the most impressive uh, fight as a, as a whole. So that's what got my fight of the night.
1: Yeah, like I, I was saying to you before, too, it, this was my favorite fight to watch so far uh, on this card, for sure. Um, I love the way Randy uh, performed in that fight. I love his strategy the whole fight to completely drain someone like Vitor. So yeah that was my favorite fight of the night for sure that would that would have gotten my award as
0: well awesome and i i I messed up a little explaining the criteria i was actually i was talking about fight of the night but i was explaining what i consider performance of the night uh so let's move on to performance of the night so i already ran it down a little bit but just to clarify uh this is based off of what we thought was the best performance from a singular fighter in a matchup Uh, whether that be, it could be a finish, it could be a a decision, just based on what you thought uh, was the most complete performance. And for me, I would say it's Maurice Smith versus Tank Abbott, man. I thought he did a really good job um, in all phases of MMA, offensively, defensively, putting himself in the right spot to win late. So uh, that's my pick for performance of the night, Maurice Smith.
1: If we're going just by one, single like fight, then I would give it to Maurice for sure. Um, But if you're going by how it goes on the card, I I have to give it to Kerr there because, you know, Kerr dominated both fights. And while you could say that Mark Kerr versus Greg Style was clearly a mismatch. And then you have someone like Kaysen who looks almost like a light heavyweight more than a heavyweight compared to Kerr. You know, Kerr went in there and got the job done. And, you know, I think a combined a minute and 10 again, against both fighters so i i he had a great performance to, to fight twice in one night you know we'll never see that again but you know to fight twice in one night and to do it in that grand of a fashion both times i would give him the performance if we were charging it as a, like on a card
0: awesome dude i love that i love that uh th- these these awards are personal man you give them for the reason that you feel right so i love that uh ko of the night I had to go with the one-hitter quitter, the big knee up the middle, Mark Kerr versus Greg Stott. Uh, Just phenomenal stuff. We already covered it, so I won't tell too much more, but that's my pick for KO of the night.
1: Yeah, I would say the same. The clean up the middle knee, and then that would be like for quick, like you said, walk-off finishes, that would be it. And then, I, like I said, I loved even Randy Couture's finish as well because of how much he drained Vitor to the point where he, he couldn't even lift his arms, but clean wise i'd give it to kerr that was that
0: was a fantastic knockout heck yeah man and then submission of the night this one's easy right there's only one submission mark <laughs> kerr uh versus uh Dwayne Kasin. uh and that's it that's that's it for our awards that's it for usc 15 uh it was honestly in recent memory one of the one of the better events as far as name value as far as the the outcomes and the competitive nature of the of these fights too uh, this was a fun card, man. And in an era where there's been a lot of duds, it uh, feels good to have a real fun card like this. So uh, that's it for UFC 15. Uh, let's move on to the this weekend's fights because, dude, there's so much to talk about coming out of UFC Austin, man. This was a star-studded event, uh, crazy outcomes. And this is why uh hardcores like like myself and you really take pride in not missing any of these events because uh these smaller cards um they deliver but i didn't think this was a small card even coming in like i thought name wise there was a lot of people on this card uh, that could do great things and, and we saw that from the very fucking beginning. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I wanna highlight some specific ones here. Um and then of course if I if I miss anything, feel free to to hop in there. But uh did you get to see Roman Delize versus Kyle Dawkins, the very first fight of the night? Yes. <laughs> Dude, that knee was crazy, man. Yes. Like uh reminiscent of the Mark Kerr knee, but in a completely different way. Like it came up. In a, at an angle, uh, which I thought was spectacular, man, just the way he he sort of redirected Kyle Dawkins, pulled on his neck to bring his weight down, and then brought the knee up almost like you would throw a round kick. Like, he opened his hip up really, really wide to get that knee up as high as it did. And the way it landed, too, like, it felt fucking brutal, man. Like, up, up against the fence, nowhere to go, and just driving that knee straight and straight through Kyle Dawkins' head. I'm surprised he didn't go out because that was a really bad one, man. I don't think Kyle saw it coming at all. Like he,
1: you know, he was kind of just defending himself and then had, him, you know, obviously he was pinned against the cage, but the way, like you said, he pushed his weight down. So that like, and his neck down. So the way he came up with that knee, like I don't think Kyle had any thought that that was coming. Like, I don't, and you heard it, you heard, the clash of his knee to his like forehead, and he was, he was done as soon as that happened. You knew, like he dropped immediately. I was surprised he didn't go to sleep because it, it was so clean. But yeah, it was a fantastic, uh, fantastic start to an incredible card.
0: Dude, he he did it for Cheyenne buys, man. Just just wrecking fools as soon as the as soon as the <laughs> fight card starts. Hilarious. Uh, and and honestly. Given the fact that he's known for having a little bit of slower cl- clinch drag out fights, uh, this does a lot for his reputation as well. So he's going to be known as that dude that did this now, which is cool. Um, now, dude, I'm going to let you take this one away because I got so many things to say about this fight. Phil Halls versus Darren Wynn. This was an absolute fucking beat down, dude.
1: Dude, you know what's crazy about that fight? You know, watching it and then I was re-watching it again last night I'm surprised Darren stayed in as long as he did because he was getting torn up from, from like, after like the first minute. And he, even after the first, like after the first round ended, he looked like he was done. Like he didn't look like he even knew where he was. And the fact that he kept going, like he just refused to go down. And like, he just refused to quit until eventually Phil Haas had to literally put him down to end it. But you know, like that was an incredible performance by Phil Hall it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward so badly to seeing him again because of he, he's got so much power and so much accuracy with his punches. Like he was connecting almost every, like every significant punch you just saw land almost so cleanly. And like, just looking back at it, like I had to check the stats and see like how like his consistency and his accuracy, but he, significant strikes landing at a six seven percent rate, like, can you imagine two out of three power punches hitting you in the face? Like, like, and like taking 118 of them that clean, like I, I give a lot of props to Darren because he just walked in, walking in looked like, you know, a mismatch because he looked a lot shorter and, you know, looked a little like, you know, Phil Hawes ripped out of his mind and a little taller. He had, you know, the, the arm length, you know, he had longer arms, but Darren, I give a lot of credit for staying in the fight for as long as he did, but Phil Hall is absolutely dominated the whole entire time. He didn't even give him a chance to breathe. Fantastic fight all around.
0: Dude, and real credit to his evolution, man. I think the best thing he did for his career was leaving Jackson Wink and going to Stanford MMA those guys really help put things together on the feet. And, and I felt like this was the fight where things really came together for him. There's been a lot of times where he, he has all the talent in the world. Like that's been clear since the beginning, um, but he has a hard time sometimes putting things together in all these fights and ends up sort of dominating early and then getting uh, finished in spectacular fashion as the fight goes on. Uh, so to see him put on a complete performance Uh, where he was dominant throughout um, and show a lot of improvements in those striking areas, in the areas where I'm sure he set out to improve going there in the first place. Uh, It was really sort of a come full circle moment for Phil Hawes, really happy for him. But also I'm pretty gutted for Darren Wynn, man. He had a hard road to get to the UFC and then had a hard road in it too. Um, I'm going to be honest, I don't think he should be at middleweight just based on his frame, uh, but he's one of those guys that I'm not sure could make it down to welterweight in a way that's healthy for him. Uh, so he's in a weird no-man's-land spot uh, where I don't really think that he gets another shot in the UFC, uh, but you got to feel for him, man. He's clearly someone that puts in the work and does it the right way. Like, I'm I'm a fan of him as a man uh, outside of the sport. Like, I feel like he's a, he's a real good guy, uh, but just – as a fighter i I think he's very talented it's just he needs certain matchups in order to even have a chance out there and when you're when you can't be competitive against someone like gerald mearshark i don't know how the hell they thought that this was a matchup that was going to go any other way Uh, It kind of felt like the writing was on the wall with this one and it was even worse than i expected so uh in a way though matchup wise this was a real test for Phil Haas too like this was it easily could have played out and the way i thought about it coming in was like yeah he's probably going to put it on Darren win early but Darren win's going to just uh, drown him late and the fact that he never got the chance to do that uh really speaks to the improvement there so super impressed by both of these guys like you said uh but to honestly to watch someone take a beating like that is 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 really tough like it really makes you consider uh their career in general, uh, just because that's how bad it was. And I think there was uh, at least four flush head kicks that I counted. And and that's, that's way harder than any other strike you can land. And then that was followed up by more elbows on the feet. It's just a historic level of damage in this one fight. And when you consider that his last two fights have been very similar. Um, For him and his family, and I'm not, I'm not in the business of retiring fighters. I just feel like based off of the attributes and the things that he cannot necessarily control, um, putting himself in a position against these dangerous middleweights to get absolutely uh, wrecked in the way he has been can't be good for the health long term.
1: Yeah, you know, thinking about it, I would say I I almost agree with you, but I think when you see something like that where, you know, he stayed, he got like a beat down. But he has such a good story. And the fact that he also, he stayed there, I would say almost a whole round longer than I thought he would. I thought he was getting finished in the first round by and the beatdown. So I think, you know, someone like Dana could come up to him or Sean Shelby, whatever, whoever ends up being. And, uh, you know, can go up to him and maybe say something like, you know, maybe you should try welterweight and maybe try that, but, you I I could I don't know if he can make that type of cut, so I, I don't know. You know that's the tough part about him. Like you said, I I could see him getting one more fight and seeing if he can if he can improve at welterweight because he's got the build. If he can cut the weight, he can he can do some damage at welterweight because it. I feel like someone for him he can he can dominate. I just feel like these guys are just a little bigger than him a little bit. You know stronger than him right now and obviously he doesn't have the height to really help him out right there but you know i think if he can make a a switch to welterweight and try that for a fight and if he does anything significant then maybe he could stay in the ufc but if he can't make the cut or he does make it to uh welterweight and he can't make it work then i think it'll be the end for him
0: unfortunately yeah man it's a, it's a tough road ahead no matter what, how you slice it uh, I'm gonna be frank. I'm a little pressed for time, so let's. Uh, I'm gonna try to rapid fire these a little bit. Okay. Uh, Cody Stamen versus uh, Eddie Wineland. Uh, what did you think about that one, dude?
1: I knew that was gonna be a blowout from the start. Uh, unfortunately, everyone knows uh, Eddie Wineland from the Sean O'Malley knockout because that was that was a brutal one when he fought him. But uh, Cody Statham, I, I really wanted him to win because he needed that for himself, and I think he even says it during the fight after he won like he needed that because uh cody cody's a good dude and and he uh i know he really wants to see if he can make it to the highest of levels in bantamweight so seeing him he was already a huge favorite going in so seeing him knock out wineland like that who kind of is a journeyman i'm not to be rude but he's kind of a journeyman in in this one you know he wins a lot but he also loses a lot so you know it was a great win for Stan, and I'm glad to see that he won so easily, and hopefully he gets a real, uh, a real fight, like a real good contender fight soon.
0: I agree, man. It breaks my heart that people know Eddie Wineland as that as that dude that's getting starched, because he is actually a very, a very good fighter and very important for the sport. I encourage guys to look back at his WEC run. He's a very unique dude, like the way he fights, especially at that time versus now um he, he's just very different like if, if you see the silhouette of him fighting like you know it's him just because he he has his own style he's very different uh which is something that i really love about mma that you have those characters uh but yeah man i think it's very clear at this point in his career that he just can't take the damage man i don't think cody stamen is that kind of puncher i really don't um and it wasn't even a punch that was really I mean, of course, it was significant if it did that damage, but it wasn't like something that stood out like, man, that was a really flush connection. It felt like a a very run of the mill kind of strike uh, that yeah. started off the, the finishing flurry. So um, and, and I saw Eddie Weiland take off his gloves. I don't know if that means that he is going to be retiring, uh, but it feels like it's at that time, to be frank, um, tough, tough loss there for him, to be honest, uh, but great performance for Stamen. Ricardo Ramos versus Danny Chavez, man. I popped for this one so hard, dude. I'm such a fan of Ricardo Ramos. And he did it again, dude. He did it again. How do you do this multiple times? How is this something that is repeatable for you? I don't understand. Uh, But feints that uh, left straight and just comes around with that right elbow, lands it right on the point of the chin, and legit froze Danny Chavez. Didn't even really need to follow up. He he was in the land of winning ghosts already. He yeah. was not responding. Um, and and was just frozen on the feet. Awesome knockout and just spectacular fight too. Even before that moment, it was just fireworks from start to finish.
1: Yeah, you you're literally seeing Cruz talk about it right before the fight that he loves that move and that get ready. You know, you will see that in this fight. And then the way it's just it was like a like a Disney fairy tale story right there where you're seeing they tell you it's gonna happen, and then you're going like. You're getting the setup for it, and then the way it lands so clean that Danny's, like, leaning on the cage, and he's looking over here, and Ricardo's over here. (laughs) So, you know, it's just like that was, oh, my God, that was such a nice, clean fight. It just showed how amazing this card was. Like, it was, if you didn't get it from the first two knockouts right before that, or three, actually, if you didn't get it for the first three knockouts before that, you really got it from, you knew that this card was going to be special
0: after that. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. They was something in the water there in Austin for sure. Uh, next up, Court McGee. I'm a Court McGee guy. Let me start this by saying this. And this, heart, this fight was heartbreaking specifically because him getting knocked out was always a possibility. Let me make that clear. I always knew that that was a possibility. But the fact that it felt like just with the way the fight was going... I'm like, uh, Wells is expending a lot of energy here. Like I, I was talking myself into the fact that Court McGee was about to turn the tide and he just gets starched by a left hook, man. He was out bad. And it's always tough to see a guy like that with such a great story, who's been through so much in his life, get put out like that. Uh, but that's the sport we're in and just a crazy knockout. And that team now um if i'm not mistaken a a a strong solid 12 and 0 in the ufc uh nuts wow
1: no for that fight it was it it was it's funny how i shouldn't say it's funny it's it's a tough break sometimes for for someone like court mcgee because he he blocks the right really well you know jeremiah comes in with the right and he blocks it almost perfectly and then jeremiah kind of just does like a emergency like left with you know full extension and he just you know he connected on the chin so well that I don't even think court saw it coming at all because he went he was out in a minute like in order in a second I should say and he was he was done for the rest of the night I never seen someone lay so flat like that with their arms up like like he was out cold and I because you know sometimes you just on situations and, and hits like that you when you never see it coming you know that's that's what ends up happening it was a great fight and jeremiah performed well so hopefully core mcgee can uh rebound and come back stronger in the next one
0: heck yeah that that was a that was a bad knockout though scary stuff for sure yeah um and, and at that point it, what is it uh one two three four five knockouts into the card you're like well, what the fuck is going on here <laughs> like for real like what what is going on here and yeah. we we've got more in store so um adrian yanez versus tony kelly i just want to say i'm i'm a, i'm leading the group of the fuck tory uh tory tony kelly commission uh fuck that guy even coming into the fight uh but dude dude uh this was this was a fucking beat down like let's make it clear uh the the way the finishing sequence was it was very very satisfying considering how i feel uh but man just uh just a brutal combination. And a br- brutal follow ups, man, like Adrian Yanez is someone that he really he reminds me of Tony Ferguson in the way that he's here for a good time, not a long time. Like, I think no matter who he fights, he ends up in a firefight with. So as he considers to progress up the division, I could see him running into some trouble just because he gets hit often in these exchanges but man when he puts when he goes on offense it's fucking fun to watch and he just really put on a striking clinic out there
1: yeah for that fight that was that was awesome because i was that was like the first time throughout the whole night because you know all the knockouts you're like oh oh like stuff that one for adrian i was like come on get him like i i don't like tony at all so i was like come on man you got him you got him and you know, I was, like, I felt like I was in his corner, like, or I was at the event, like, that's how excited I was for, for Adrian. And, you know, Adrian, like you said, you know, he was taking some shots too. Tony was, Tony was connecting a little bit and I was getting nervous, but Adrian, like Adrian, you know, caught Tony a lot and kind of like, um, you know, caught the legs slipping a little bit. Like he was, you know, he started to sleep for a second and he came back a little bit, but I loved the knockout. That was such like a, like a exciting jump out of your chair moment because you just wanted it so bad for adrian to to just run in there and just beat the
0: hell out of tony and he did that so great fight Heck yeah, man awesome fight and sorry sorry i'm rushing this you guys but i, I gotta get through some of these a little bit quicker so Gregory Rodriguez ended up coming up with, with a big knockout of Julian Marquez as well in the first round. That felt like uh, one of those fights where they pack a lot into those three minutes. Like <laughs> there was a lot in those three minutes. I encourage you guys to check it out. Cause what was it like four or something? Knockdowns. Um, yeah. Crazy, crazy. And shout out to Julian Marquez He's a very resilient dude clearly has a cinder block for a head. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I, I, I just got to say, man, that, I'm impressed by both of these guys. Cause I feel like Gregory Rodriguez really has a, very high upside uh reminds me of Ray a lot um but uh man julian marquez is, is uh someone that if you're signed on the dotted line against that guy you better come ready for war cuz he's going to put you through some shit no matter if you end up getting the best of him or not this is probably one of my most
1: underrated like fights of the night like obviously a 10 knockout so it's tough to pick who's your favorite but you know, that one was probably one of my favorite, like underrated ones that not many people are talking about because of, you know, all the other knockouts like we just mentioned with Adrian, the, you know, the fight before and all the other ones in the prelims, but I, I I loved it, man. He It was such an incredible fight. I thought Gregory was just absolutely dominant the whole time. You know to to land it at almost a 68 or i think it was 70 i from what i remember on the card it was like i think it was almost 70 percent in total strikes that he was landing he just looked like he had like the upper advantage the whole the whole time he just went in there and just did damage the whole time and so literally i was surprised julian even landed that
0: lasted that long Mm -hmm. exactly big big uh testament to his heart out there and i'm gonna be frank these next three fights I was in the thick of this boxing event, so I didn't get to watch these. I'm really excited to watch them back. Uh, Demir Ismagulov versus de Laze. Does anything stick out to you in that fight worth mentioning?
1: Um, it was it was such a close fight, and that was the toughest part. It was like I really thought that it, Gurum could have won that. I really thought I I actually had him like like it was close to the point where you you could have you could have leaned it towards Guram, but at the end of the day, like, I understood that uh, how Demir won the fight. It was just, it's it's tough to explain because on a split decision like that, and obviously there's no knockout at the end. So it's hard to explain what key points that you would see. Like, oh, I could see it going that way. But when you watch that fight over, you'll see, like, how you, you could lean it towards Demir over over Gurum. But it was, that was, if there was no, like, a non-knockout fight, that was probably
0: my favorite fight of the night. Awesome, dude. Awesome. I can't wait to check that one out. Uh, next up, Joaquin Buckley versus have Please tell me, I, I didn't see any highlights of this. I have no idea. So please. Bro, uh, this, was,
1: this was so wild. Joaquin, I have, I love Joaquin. I, I have been, mm. I have been watching him for a uh, while. Well, I think he, he's part of one of the biggest knockouts ever in UFC history. So, you know, he, I love watching him every time he comes in and he just beat albert to like uh, it's rearranged his face his whole i don't know if you saw his face after the fight his whole eye was completely swollen shut so that that going into i think the end of the second round you he couldn't even see like they were trying to press it to the point where he can see and they by the time they were pressing like you saw his skin rolling over that's how that's how inflamed and and blown up it was that it was it was done you know joaquin just beat him down the whole fight and I'm not going to give away spoilers by telling you exactly what happens. I want you to see it. But that was just a great fight. I can't wait to
0: see who Buckley fights next. Heck yeah, man. And it's cool to see that he's uh really hitting his stride with his improvement as well. Uh came came up with a couple of hard losses there on the road, but uh re- really cool to see guys uh bounce back from those things. Uh next up Kevin Holland versus Tim Means. I didn't get to see this one either. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one? Big
1: mouth, man. Big mouth. I love like, that dude. man. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I love his story, too, that, you know, not even Dana liked him at first. And then, you know, the fact that he comes in, he'll fight anyone anytime. And then eventually it ends up, like, costing him because he was, like, losing his rank because he was just fighting anyone. But um, great fight, man. It's it, Such a great fight. Coming in from his last one where everyone was saying that he was, you know, he he's not good on the ground and that he you know he's anytime you get him to the ground you basically have a good win there and because he he could strike with anyone but you know once you get him taken down he's you know it almost seems like he has a hole in his game and then to see him come in and uh you know win by submission but he he basically beat him down almost the whole time to the point where once he got him on the ground you you saw that he has been training real well on his ground game because he was doing a lot of you know going from from mount to to side control he was he looked really strong this is probably one of my favorite performances from him you know ever like obviously he has some crazy knockouts and some great fights but overall as a fighter this is probably my favorite one from him
0: that's awesome man like you said seeing that improvement is really key and I always felt like he had really good offensive jujitsu. So I'm excited to watch that back and see what that, what those exchanges look like. Cause man, I like Tim means a lot too. Like Tim means is that dude shout out to the dirty bird. Uh, So I can't wait to check that one out. I did get to watch this one and I was pumped as hell. Josh Emmett uh, defeats Calvin Cater. Uh, But I didn't really think it went that way. Um, So yeah, yeah, man. So I'm, I really would love for you to kick it off. Just give me your thoughts on this. Cause um, if I remember correctly, I ended up giving Calvin round two, four, and five.
1: Uh, yeah, From if I can remember correctly, I think I gave him round four and five for sure, and I think it was round two that I gave him as well. But, yeah, man, I, I, I don't know. I, I It's so tough when you see split decisions because every time you see split decision, you think, like, oh, no, it can go either way, obviously. But, like, I thought Cater had it unanimous. I really thought he won 48-47 the whole way like you know I re-watched the fight late last night and I was thinking like the whole I thought the same thing I thought the first time and I was like I think he clearly won round four and five mm-hmm. and then round two is kind of a toss-up but I still would give it to Kato like it's just he was just better off the you know standing up and you know obviously with the damage that he did to Emmett like you saw Emmett's face like it's it's not like you know he, he was blind to see that, but you know, he it just looked like Cater had it, and even the way he celebrated after the fight, I think Cater even thought he won. Like, I think Cater mm-hmm. thought he had done enough. He he was kind of like hugging Emmett, like, Yo, great fight! I uh, hope to see you again soon, you know. Uh, maybe giving him his props, the yeah. The game. yeah, like you're a great fighter. And usually, when you hear that, you're like, Damn, I, you think I lost? Like, <laughs> so and I, I don't know, I just thought Cater won, and obviously, I think it's tough because I thought Cater like I keep saying I thought Cater won and obviously great performance that he had his last fight but he dominated and then after being dominated by Max Holloway the fight before that I don't know man it it, it hurts to see Cater lose that one cuz I I really thought he he held on for the victory there
0: I agree, man. And I I would argue even Josh Emmett was fucking surprised. If you watched him read the decision, he looked like, Oh shit, let's go. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It was a really fun fight though. I would say shout out to the heavy hands guys. This reminded me of what they say often, which is like uh, athleticism is cheating. Cause that's what it is, man. I feel like those explosions, those big movements ended up really swaying the judges towards him. um, Even though I had it personally another way, but I'm excited to watch that one back too with a more critical eye and really uh, think more deeply on whether or not I feel the same way after uh, but man yeah just live watching seeing their faces especially um, it felt like it was uh, definitely a win for Calvin Cater and it felt like he was in control I feel like especially four and five in a five round fight I don't know how this works or how it would work but I feel like technically those should count for more no like that's, that's how I feel personally uh, so it's always tough to see someone that's sort of dominating the back half of the fight end up losing on the points from early on. Um, I, I'm really excited to look back at those first three rounds very closely, because uh, I can't imagine a scenario uh, where you give all three of those first three rounds to to Josh Emmett. So and no. either way, though, I, I think the fact that the judging went that way kind of takes away from how good of a fight this was. I think this was an awesome fight for both of these guys. Both of these guys put on a show, showed their skills and really showed uh, their tenacity as well on the feet, uh, just being willing to constantly uh, extend exchanges with each other and then throw some crazy shit on the end as well. Because why not? Like both of there was a couple times where it was like fucking Beyblades out there, like one of them's throwing a the spinning elbow, the other one's countering with the spinning elbow, uh, just really fun fight for sure.
1: Yeah, I I would think so if you if I don't know if you've seen the scorecards from from that fight, but it it was different from and no judge had the same uh, score that they they had from the other judges everyone had different, you know. uh, Scoring so it was it was just really weird you had you know cater losing you know rounds one through three from one judge and you had the other two judges saying he won the second round, but he lost the fifth round or the fourth round and it's it was just like. It was just so bizarre like it just looked like like everyone saw a different type of fight so it's it really sucks for someone like calvin you know hopefully he can rebound and come right back because i like i like watching him fight and
0: he deserves to be in the top five heck yeah i agree um he definitely has solidified his spot in that top five uh, for sure uh, so, yeah, we're short on time, but I, I need to get your thoughts on these upcoming fights. I'm really excited about this card because this is another one of those cards, if you ask me, there's a lot of fights on this card that I'm not even going to get to ask you about that I am excited about because uh, it's a pretty deep one. Uh, but uh, there's a, s- a specific uh, couple of fights that I want to ask your opinion on. Get your pick real quick. Um, Chris Curtis versus Adolfo Vieira. Vieira coming off of that fight uh, with Fluffy Hernandez, or sort of trying to bounce back. Um, and Chris Curtis obviously just been booming in the UFC. I'm a big fan of Chris Curtis and his story, the way he made it to the UFC. Uh, how do you think this fight plays out, man?
1: Um, it's gonna be interesting because uh, Rodolfo is kind of a big dude for for uh, middleweight, so it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting fight. I I still think because of how Chris Curtis has been, like you said, booming in this UFC so far. I I expect him to to take this one uh, and to be honest with you i i'm gonna predict a second round knockout
0: Ooh, i like that i like that confident confident Yes. um yeah that's a good one uh i i honestly think the submission play is live for viera too uh so yeah. i'm actually gonna I'm actually going to go the other way. I'm going with the um, golf on this one, okay. uh, but I won't be surprised. I won't be surprised if your pr- prediction comes true either. Uh, it's kind of one of those fights where there's there's two outcomes uh, that are probably going to happen, <laughs> and I'm excited to see which one happens. I'm, I'm uh, excited to see who, how that turns out so we can talk about it. Heck yeah, heck yeah. I'll definitely be hitting you up about that. <laughs> uh, Chris... This, this, this is a fun one. So, so I lied. I'm going to give you four here. Carlos Oberg versus Tefan and Chukwe. I'm a fan of both of these guys, man. And I think this is a matchup that really, really um, is going to test both of these guys in areas that they're deficient. Uh, what what are your thoughts on this one? Who you got? Oh, I don't know, man. This is so
1: tough because Oberg, is coming off a win. So like I almost want to say him because he's riding the hot hand. And I know Tefan just... He just lost, like I believe he just lost his last fight. From what Fly I flying knee, flying yeah, knee. Yeah. yeah, So that's yeah, exactly. Now, yes, I just remembered. So I, it's gonna be. I think Tefan needs this one, like desperately. But I don't know. I've I've watched Olberg for a long time, and I know he only has seven professional fights. But you know, like I've seen him for forever. What well, even before he was in the UFC? Like the very few that I paid attention to from the start, and he's one of them. So it's so tough it i'm gonna go i'm gonna say oberg by i'd say decision
0: i like that i like that a lot um i personally am a fan of both of these guys so this is hard for me too i feel you the exact same way um i'm going with the Chukw here and here's Ooh, my reason wow, Um, i, like I think it. i think i like that we're on both opposite sides on both of these i think um Oberg has shown that he has a suspect gas tank. And I think we is someone that does a lot of attritive damage in the clinch. Uh, so watch out for that. The clinch matchups in this fight, whether or not he's able to hold Oberg up against the fence, land some nice knees there. Uh, that's what I'm banking on in this pick. And that's the way he fights. So I'm pr- kind of pretty confident about it. Uh, I would say also keep an eye out for uh the exchanges on the feet, obviously. Uh, because I feel like Oberg can definitely do a lot of damage. Um, but and Chukwi has a very good way of kicking dude's legs out. Um, and I think just with the way he's shown to sort of fade as fights go on, um, it's an interesting uh, matchup and dynamic there. Uh, so I'm going in Chukwi by decision, uh, but should be fun. Uh, and then these last two, man, these last two have got me actually going fucking bonkers, dude. I've gone back and forth from this colmaine multiple times. Neil Magny versus Shafkat Rachmanov shout out to neil magni man because this guy is the fucking sanitation worker of the ufc he does the dirty work he does yeah. the things that nobody else wants to do and i i get, you got to give a guy props for doing that um i will admit i didn't like the way he looked at his last ufc fight um in a matchup that i thought was more favorable and i'm a big fan of shavkat Rachmanov, so i'll lead off the picks on this one um i think we're going to see uh uh the the coming out party of shavkat Rachmanov. i give him a round two tko uh some sort of spinning shit that's what i'm calling
1: i was gonna say i have i have Shafkat winning this one you know neil magny uh i love him because he like i think dana White has even come out and said this that he will take any fight anytime. he has never said no ever and like he 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 gets offered fights, says absolutely, I'll take it. No problem. Like, and he prepares. Whoever it is, doesn't matter. He'll fight anyone at any time. And I so I always have respect for No Magni, But I think Shavkat is is I think he's real deal. I think he's, you know, it's still a little early for him to, you know, be in the top top ten. I think after this, he could be potential top ten, but uh I I have Shavkat winning this. I I I could say second round, but I was gonna say away first round tko
0: Ooh, i like that i like that uh definitely in play for sure man uh shout out to neil Magny, though it's not it's not like i'm hating on neil Magny. it's just a no tough, no tough tough fight dude uh, and then this main event is a fucking firecracker, man. Armin Saryukin coming again against, uh, against Mateus Gamerat. I said this a couple of weeks back. If you see this main event and you're bitching about it, you clearly just don't watch. Like just call just call yourself a casual. It's okay. You don't have to be a hardcore. Uh, yes. but this is a hardcore delight, right? Here I'm 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 telling you, this fight is gonna be fucking awesome. I'm a big fan of both of these guys and the things they're able to do. The scrambles in this fight are going to be absolutely insane. I can't wait to see who comes out on top of all of it. Uh, But I'm leaning towards Armin just because I feel like he has a little bit more power on the feet. And his ability to defend takedowns against a guy like Islam Mahachev uh, gives me a lot of um, respect as well as makes me think he's going to be able to fend off a lot of Gamrot's takedowns. Uh, but both of these guys are really slick, man. I, I, here's my prediction, because I think it's going to be um, either a decision or a late KO for Armin. But I'm going to say this right here. Both of these guys complete three takedowns during the course of this fight.
1: Yeah, I, I was going to say, this is going to be a, a, a really good fight. Um, for sure, I, I have friends of my own who are like, how are you looking forward to next week's fight? I don't even know those guys. And I was like, if you don't know those guys, then then you, you're not you, you focus on the Conor McGregor's of the world like you know these guys oh my god man I can't wait for this one because I love I love guys who people don't really pay attention to and it takes a fight like this to people be like oh I know that guy now like and I feel like that's potential for whoever comes out on top for for these guys but like I said it's tough because like for Gamron like I might be butchering his name but I I, I feel like you know, with his height difference, he could have the edge, but Armand's got like I, I he's got the reach, and he's always had the longer arms for being a, a smaller dude. So it's gonna be so tough. Oh, man, if I had to if I had to put money down on it, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Armand. I'm gonna say Armand by decision.
0: I like it. I like it. Hell of a fight card, man. I can't wait to get to it. But there's two questions I gotta ask you now. And this is the most important thing. This might be the most important thing we discuss on this show today, if I'm being real. Um, and it has to do with my goddamn New York Yankees and, and the thing that you <laughs> thing that you cover most closely. So uh, make sure you check out his podcast once again. Uh, please, I'll give you some time to, to plug it again before we get off. But I have two questions for you and I'm putting you on the spot. I don't care. Sure. Um, the first one, if there is one thing that you think uh, the Yankees should be making a move to try to improve during the this course of the season what would you say that area is
1: it's tough it's you know i i've been asked this question a bunch of times and uh you know because of how good this team is flowing right now you know I, everyone wants to say center field, you know get rid of aaron hicks because aaron hicks is is a tough tough person to watch because he <laughs> He, yeah, man, it's tough. It's just so tough because I don't want to say anything bad about him, but it's tough to watch him sometimes. His arm is not what it used to be, and you know he's he's just not his bat is not what it used to be either. Especially when he's batting from the left side, you know he struggles a lot against righties. So, you know, obviously there's more righty pitchers to lefties, so people want to see a change. But I kind of like him in the lineup because he gives you that third lefty bat. So if you were gonna find someone to replace Hicks, right? I think the best thing you would have to do is find a center fielder that's also lefty or switch hitter because you need to balance the lineup and you need someone with a good center field arm. And I know right now they're moving Judge to center and moving Hicks to left to make it easier for Gallo who's playing a lot better now that he's in right. And I've said that in my earlier podcast that moving Gallo back to his regular position in right field was going to change him like it does for Glaber when he moved from back from short back to second. So I think that's going to be a significant difference, but at the same time, you know, I don't think you want to ride judges in a field for too long because you're just going to eventually, you know, he, he's a big dude and he's six, seven, six, eight, two two fifty, whatever he is, you know, he's going to get hurt and you don't want to see that happen, especially not, you know, how this season's going. So I think that would be the only significant difference. Maybe get a bullpen arm to kind of help the bullpen out because they've been used a lot, but, um, That would probably be it this team is firing on all cylinders this is the best yankee team i think i've seen since 2009 they may even be better so you know it's gonna be it's gonna be incredible i can't wait to see what this team looks like in you know october
0: dude it's a hell of a it's a hell of a team to watch like i I love the depth as well like there's we're, we're we're a deep team and we're a dangerous team and it's hard to find that in the league anywhere uh, so really, really big uh, fan. Like you said, this—it's it, an awesome time to be a Yankee fan. Let's just make that very clear. Uh, but this next one, it—it's it, worth asking. I don't care. It's worth asking. 100, <laughs> 120. Can we? Can we get there?
1: Uh one hundred and twenty wins. <laughs> no. Nah, I—I'm—I don't want to say yes and then have it, you know, crash in my face and all that stuff. So I'm gonna say no definitely possible because of how this team is doing if mm-hmm. this team follows finds this run that they've that they're staying on right now and they stay on it throughout all of september october yeah they'll get it but i would say to be honest with you i could see them you know hitting like 110 to 115 wins this year
0: yeah for sure for sure that's the appropriate range that's historic levels that's why i love asking it uh just because that's how i've been talking with a lot of my friends lately it's like we're on that level uh but it's just a long season obviously we're in a really yes. good spot right now uh, a lot of things could change and of course uh we got to anticipate for that too but man it'll be awesome to live through that to, to see that uh he, like i said this is my first love sports wise I, I i love watching baseball not a lot of people do uh, but man, uh, really awesome to chop it up with you today about this, all the MMA stuff on Father's Day. Shout out to all you fathers at home doing your goddamn thing. Uh, the world needs you. Uh, so continue doing what you got to do. Uh, thank you so much. This was awesome, dude. I had a blast. I hope you did too. Uh, please make sure to tell the people where they can find your stuff once again before we get out of here
1: yeah uh no man i appreciate you having me on uh it's kind of funny how we found each other obviously having the same last name so that's pretty cool but uh maybe we'll find out in, in the future whether we're cousins or you know who knows but uh
0: ancestry.com baby we gotta figure it yeah, out yeah
1: <laughs> exactly so hopefully you know um but yeah man i really appreciate you having me on man this was, this was awesome i can not many people talk mma like i do and you know obviously you 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 know it just probably even better than i do because you you go so in 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 depth and in detail while i'm like you know i kind of keep it more laid back and but I, I dude i appreciate it and uh you know you can find me at at, at Negron 25 or if you want to follow the my podcast my baseball podcast which covers mainly yankees but also um baseball in general it's at hottest a pod which for the hot corner that's what it means so yeah. You, know, you can follow me there and uh you know give it a listen i promise you you won't be disappointed and uh like i said man thank you for having me on i appreciate it
0: heck yeah man and keep doing your thing you guys are really killing it getting some awesome guests as well like that's I, that's the hardest part of it so uh I, I know you guys are gonna keep doing awesome things so we keep it up some. man and dude it's such a great time to be having that show as well like i'm sure yeah. you feel it the momentum is huge so keep doing your damn thing man also make sure to not forget to find my stuff at negrong mma on twitter uh, a lot more mma archives coming i'm trying to get a lot of different guests on just to cover this damn sport that i love and go back in time with me because uh, a lot of times it, it, it gets so easy to get caught up in the week to week there's so many events going on always in mma uh everything just sort of gets uh pushed out of the fold but uh thank you so much again for coming on make sure you follow the brand at OTS Media Co um on all platforms and OTS Media on YouTube we've got coverage of every damn sport (laughs) every damn sport pop culture music video um film We got everything so please check us out it's a one-stop shop for any sort of media you may be looking to consume uh make sure you follow me on all those platforms as well as on instagram at chris negron underscore i'm this close to hitting 350 on twitter so keep keep the love coming thank you so much you guys i really do appreciate it and uh looking forward to getting on and doing some more more stuff with you in the future man this is awesome sean uh but like that We're done here. Y'all have a good one, and I'll catch you guys next time. Peace.